Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 247 of the podcast. It's the 13th of October, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a lovely conversation with Kelsey Stemble. Kelsey has two teen daughters and is a former teacher turned farmer and entrepreneur. It was a joy to hear about how both her girls have developed and learned at their own pace, honoring their unique styles, and how unschooling has been such an amazing gift for their family. Kelsey's journey from teaching middle school to becoming a full-time farmer and unschooling parent is a beautiful story. And just a quick heads up. First, with both of us on rural internet, there is no video of our call. And second, my voice sounds a touch off, almost like I have a frog in my throat. Sorry about that. Not sure what happened, but I'm completely understandable. I just sound a bit odd. (laughs) As a personal update this week, I am loving the fall energy of slowing down and pulling in. I've been drawn to reorganizing things in the house, not just for efficiency, but also for our enjoyment as we start to spend more time inside. I'm drawn to cooking more comfort foods like warm soups and stews. And in my business, I'm revisiting projects that are on the go and on the horizon, seeing where they sit and exploring next steps. It's all fun and inspiring and grounding as our anticipation of the first snowfall grows. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Theta Homeschool Hub. Thank you so much. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the growing podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Kelsey. Welcome. I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Kelsey Stemble. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Pam. Just to give you a little bit of background, I was introduced to Kelsey through a podcast listener, and I am so excited to learn more about her unschooling journey. It's, I think it's going to be really fascinating. So to get us started, Kelsey, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's interested in right now? And I asked my kids to help me with this because uh, it's really them that, you know, yeah. <laughs> makes up all of this stuff. So it's very important to me that I get it right because generally I don't. I don't know how what they're interested in. Um, so I'll start. Um, it's myself and I have two girls. Ari is 17 and Abby is 13. Um, and I'm a farmer and I love being a farmer. I raise animals for meat, and I also sell natural body products, um, like deodorants and body butters and stuff like that. Um, I, beyond that, I don't have a whole lot of spare time, but I listen 
to audiobooks voraciously. So I'm constantly reading and learning. Um, and I used to have a few more hobbies, but then because of COVID, everything's shut down. So I really just farm and listen to books and talk to my kids. Um, my older daughter is Arian. She goes by Ari. Um, she's in her first year of college, and this year she's been staying with mom a lot because my mom has um, much better internet. She's about an hour away. Oh, and it's Mikey Whitney. Um, she's also interested in history and politics, and she's looking to study history in college. She's also currently working on her Girl Scout Gold Award project, which is related to LGBTQ history. And she is very active um, politically and environmental causes. And she just was in charge of a local climate rally uh, last Sunday. And I am so impressed with how involved she is in politics and other causes. Um, she's kind of gotten me more into politics. I wasn't doing a whole lot before, just paying attention. Um, and beyond all that, she avid knitter, crocheter, she likes to sew, and she um, made her own dress for a homeschool prom a year and a half ago, which was totally cool. It, it is so awesome. So, um, yes, just completely impressed with her. And then Abby is 13, and she is very eclectic. Um, right now, she's into modifying dolls. So she just created some wings out of popcorn sticks and screws. And she saved up money for about six months or a year to buy a BJD doll, which means ball jointed doll. Um, and she just bought synthetic hair to be good for her. And I have to be clear, clear that it's synthetic hair and not real hair because she thought people would not appreciate that otherwise. <laughs> um, so I have no clue anything about the a few videos she showed me, but there are tons of people doing it on YouTube, and she thinks it's, like, super cool. She's also an artist, and she loves And it's really cool because she's very pragmatic about her skills. So she knows she is not a phenomenal, you know, dweller and can just recreate things, but she's willing to learn and practice and just doing things to see where she goes with it. Um, she is very opinionated about learning from others. She doesn't always like other people's techniques. Um, so watching YouTube videos, she'll often tell me what she doesn't like more than what she doesn't like or what she learned. Uh, let's see. She's at art school and possibly work with Pixar. And she adores her cats. And spends lots of time over enthusiastically snuggling them. And it, you have to put in over enthusiastically because the cats don't always love it, but they just tolerate it. Um, yes. And about a year or two ago, my mom got her a radish cooking kit. And Abby has really taken to that where she likes to follow some recipes somewhat as they're told, and then we experiment and try things, and they're generally edible, sometimes very good, especially her pancakes. It's great. Um, and let's see. Also, she loves playing games with her Switch Lite. She got one of her this last year. 
I love all hearing the descriptions just because, you know, we get such a cool snapshot of, of the kids and of ourselves, but so many pieces, just hearing parents describe it, like, you know, when you're talking about Ari and, and, and her politics and causes, and we really do learn so much from them, right, through their interests. And we often get fascinated and in, in interested in those things, too. Like, I hear you how you, you know, weren't so um, involved politically, uh, uh, you know, before her interest pulled you in. Like, history and politics was something I had not yet, or still not well informed on. But, um, you know, Joseph's interest um, has really pulled me in that direction. And I've been learning so much through him. And just to see the fascinating places that our kids go when they don't feel the weight of kind of, you know, um, following the things that we're interested in, like that there's an expectation that we have, you know, often parents have an expectation that their kids will like the same things that they like, or they'll poo-poo the things that their kids are interested in that they're not because they don't see value in it. So it's just so fascinating to hear all the interesting places that unschooling kids go when they're free to choose what sounds interesting to them, right? And to follow those passions to different kinds of places. And I loved how you described how Abby is is learning about how she likes to learn things, right? It's just so interesting (laughs) to hear, isn't it? Yes. I do. And when I listen to your podcast, that's one thing I love. I love hearing what everybody else's kids are into because they're often as eclectic as my own kids. Um, You know, and when I look at our peers, they tend to be into what I call, would call fairly normal stuff. But, you know, my kids kind of go off in their own direction. And I love that through the podcast, I can see all these other people with kids that just have these amazing interests that, you know, Typical kids, if we could call any kids typical, would not be into. Yeah. (laughs) I know, I know. It's so fascinating to see what, like, a free human being is curious about and and follows. And and to hear, like, so when a parent is describing their current interests and maybe where they came from, there's, like, so many interesting threads through the different things, like, that you get a sense of, of the person right? Just through the various things that are connected for them, you know, you know, through climate change and politics and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just brilliant, I think, to get these little snapshots of, of unschooling kids and young adults. It's awesome. <laughs> I agree. Completely, completely agree. It's so much fun. So, yeah. So you were a teacher in the public school system in an I was going to say in another life, but we'll <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, that, I can imagine from that to this. I would love to hear the story of how you got from there to farming and unschooling. Sure. I'm happy to share. Um, <laughs> I was a middle school teacher for nine and a half years, and I really I love middle schoolers. They're amazing. But the last probably two years or so, um, teaching was really difficult for me. 
because I'd had my curriculum changed three times in three years. And then the last year I was moved to a new school without my input. Um, and I just didn't enjoy doing what I was told to do without having a whole lot of leeway on what I felt the kids actually needed. And it was very, very frustrating. So with all of that, I ended up getting really sick with what's probably stress-related issues. And I eventually just had to stop teaching. Um, And at that point, I'd always wanted to homeschool my kids because I love kids getting to do things at their own rate and pace and in their own manner with their own interests. So homeschooling was a very easy choice. And we spent a year homeschooling. And during that year, I could tell that Abby, my younger, wasn't really interested in lessons. And not that she didn't like them, but the format of sitting down, doing work that other people told us to do, or a book told us to do, just didn't work for her. Um, Ari loved it. She was fine. She was perfectly happy. Um, But Abby wasn't. And she'd already had a year of public school and she didn't enjoy that. So it was kind of obvious that whatever I was doing. But at that point, um, I had her tested educationally um, just because there were these little signs that something wasn't right. We found out that she was dyslexic. So the next year I started out completely different. We focused on dyslexia and it still wasn't for her. Um, Meanwhile, I'd heard of unschooling when I was teaching and thought it was a really awesome concept. Obviously, it would only work for kids that were self-motivated. So I didn't think that it would work for my young child. And my other one, she was, you know, telling me what she wanted to do and we did it, so I was fine. Um, But after, what, probably about eight months of trying to do some intensive reading and other stuff too for Abby, we just got really frustrated. She was frustrated with me. I was frustrated with her. And we decided to just go on summer break early. Um, so we had a good probably five or six months where we didn't do any lessons. And I watched this amazing change in Abby. She went from a kid that liked to play but didn't want to have anything to do with learning to a kid that would go to the library and pick up like Bill Nye videos, Magic Schoolhouse videos, or videos on animals, stuff that you might consider educational videos. And she was loving it and learning a lot, but I wasn't. And that started changing my mindset a little bit. And I decided we would keep doing what we were doing. And I start looking into thing I'd heard about that I didn't think would work, but I was kind of at the end of it. And sure enough, the more I read about it, the more I realized it was perfect for Abby. And eventually I realized we were in schooling. It was cool. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like Abby forced me into unschooling somewhat reluctantly and that way I kind of came to the back door where I didn't realize that 
it was even what I was doing until I was doing it. And then I became enamored with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love how that, that is a really cool way to look at it coming in through the back door because you were, you know, trying to work with Abby, trying to work with Abby, trying to figure out how you could, um, you know, you're still in that like school ho- schoolish homeschooling mindset where you were trying to find a learning s- style, you know, mm-hmm. that would work for her um, so that you could present the stuff that, you know, you thought she needed to learn through that lens that would excite her because that's what you were looking for, right? You were looking right. for this, for her to be happy about learning, for her wanting to learn and everything. And then that led you to taking the break. And then you started reading about schooling, learning more and going, hey, you know, that's what we're doing. And you were observing her in action and seeing it in action because that was what she was really drawn to, right? Just just learning without calling it learning, right? Exactly. And and I'll have to clarify, she now wants me to call it free schooling. She doesn't like unschooling as the term. Uh-huh. She likes free schooling. And I think it's just that, that feeling of being free to choose anything that she likes better than it being the opposite of schooling. So if I yeah. remember, I try to call it free schooling, but then I have to describe what it is anyways. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I well, And that's a fascinating thing is that, you know, when my kids were growing up, it's not like we really talked about it as unschooling or named it. Really, it, it was just that was the term that was, is typically being used. So, you know, when you want to, when you're looking for information online, you're looking to find other families, it's, it's a common term that can help us find information and connect more so than a solid description, right? Exactly. Uh, And I love her focus on the freedom aspect of, uh, you know what, that's probably why my first book's free to learn because that right. freedom, the ability to choose is what makes this style so valuable, right? Right. It's the core of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that. Now, there is an aspect of de-schooling now. So you have, um, you know, you took that summer off, you discovered this is what you're doing. So part of that process for you as you're coming to understand it. Um, is the realization that unschooling isn't just for the kids. You know, once we figure out it's a great way for the kids to learn, that our um, our perspective grows, I think. And right. that it, it's important for us as parents to be like living and breathing examples of lifelong learning, right? It, it, it pulls right. away from the school itself. It becomes a lifestyle. So I would love to hear if that was your experience. Yes. Um, basic transitioning from, from becoming a teach from being a teacher to becoming a farmer was this ultimate learning activity because I had no background in farming. Um, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up anywhere near a farm. The only farm I visited was my uncle's farm, which somebody else was farming for him and it, you know, they just had some extra animals and it was in a wide open space, but that was it. But I knew I loved animals. I loved being outdoors and I loved working with my hands and I just was drawn to it. So I started out by just reading a lot, like most of us do, or many of us do 
you know, people that like to read tend to use that as their introduction. So I read a whole bunch of books. And when I came here, I realized that I really didn't know anything about farming. I could tell you about animals and I could talk about rotational breeding, but I had never done it. I'd barely seen it in action. And you really have to do things for it to be, you know, a truth for yourself. So I basically was a complete novice. And in five years, I've gone from being a novice to a person that feels I can legitimately give other people information when they ask questions, which is an awesome transition. Um, I don't feel like an expert, but I definitely don't feel like a novice anymore. And the best thing about all of this is that my watched me go from being a person who knew basically nothing to a person that, that this is their lifestyle and their livelihood. And they got to watch that transition. So they got to be an adult, you know, make a mistake, learn a little bit, do a little bit better, make another mistake, learn a little bit, do even better, and see the actual learning process and not the process where you have an expert telling somebody what to do and not allowing room for mistakes to be And because of that, I think that my kids have this amazing ability to decide they want to learn something and be okay with making mistakes, much more so than I was when I was their age or even older. So I think that allowing kids to see adults as fallible and going through the process of learning something as much or more valuable than any learning experience that they can do because they can watch, they can see it being mocked in a real way. And I encourage anybody to try something new, even if they think they're going to be horrible at it, you know, try knitting if you've never picked up yarn before, or uh, try, I don't know, driving a car if you've never driven a car before and let your kids see you learn so that they know it's okay and it's a good thing and it's part of the process I love that I love that because I mean not only is it a great example um, for your your kids to just see it in action uh, and I loved your point about seeing how valuable mistakes are but how much are we learning about unschooling and learning when we put ourselves back in that that new learner kind of position, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we we start, we see unschooling in action right in front of us when instead of, you know, like you said, um, turning to the experts as in somebody needs to teach me that to understand that, no, I can learn this, right? And now we're right. starting, we're starting as being in control of the situation, not handing control over to somebody else, right? right. And and we are seeing that it's possible. It's like, oh, I can figure out this thing. My kids can figure out these things. There are so many different ways. And that and that making, you know, mistakes is absolutely okay and is actually a valuable part of it because now I know, you know, not to not to go in that direction again. I'm going to right. take that and tweak and go in a different direction. And I'm learning more. And it's like this back and forth and back and forth, try this, try that, try this. And you're just learning more and more along the way, right? It's amazing. And I love 
that kids can see that when kids can see that, that they really do get to it. I don't know. It just opens up space for them to decide that they want to try something that they don't, you know, necessarily know they'll be good at or know anybody that can do it and just do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and to see in action, like what I love about this is, is it speaks to the lifelong um, perspective on learning, right? That right. this is something we all do and can choose to do as human beings. And it doesn't look different whether I'm the parent or the child, right? The process right. doesn't doesn't look different. The, I mean, obviously the interest does, but the process doesn't. And I love your idea. Like even, you know, just take up knitting, just take up something that you've been curious about. Um, just give yourself some time and, and try, try out learning something new and see how it goes. I think that's a great idea for helping um, somebody get familiar, more familiar and more comfortable with the way unschooling works and just being okay and understanding mistakes for ourselves. Like it helps you understand that you made that best choice in the moment and it didn't work and you learned from it. And then you're so much less likely to judge what you, uh, you might see as a mistake in your child. You can realize they made the best choice that they knew in that moment and they saw what happened and they learned from that. It's not about helping our kids avoid making mistakes. You know what I mean? That's all a valuable part of the process, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that. And you know, what's really curious is that it's fast. It's a, it's the difference between, so there are some um, people who find out about unschooling and they read about it and they read about it and they read about it. And then they want to try and do it themselves, um, which is what you talked about farming, right? You read yeah, and you yeah. read and you read, and then it's like, Oh, I can only absorb so much knowledge. The next learning step is to actually, you know, do it, which is, right. Which is so different, right? <laughs> we can, yeah. So it, yes. in the book, it's like understanding it intellectually, but then you even use the word truth, but doing it hands-on and getting to that truth, that deeper level of understanding is the invaluable next step, isn't it? Definitely. It's- yeah, it's, and it's fascinating putting that against the way you came to unschooling, which was more the living it side and getting led there through living and then discovering like the book side. So yeah, that's so curious to see all the different ways we can learn things. Right. I know so much fun to learn. about. (laughs) And I love that you're listening to audiobooks all the time now. Like, yeah, we don't have to, you know, we can take each moment as it sits constraints and all, this is the way things are right now. And we can still, you know, be curious and make, make it our own moment. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned um, your daughter and dyslexia and another valuable paradigm shift that often happens um, as you, I can just imagine it for you as you were coming from schools focus and the, and homeschooling focus is that focusing on fixing kids um, is often more damaging than than helpful for them, right? So we right, can right. embrace their strengths rather than focusing on those 
challenges. And when we make that shift, it, it can really make a world of difference, can't it? Yes. So if Abby were in school right now and she'd been in school the whole time, I think she would probably be a better, more proficient reader. But that would have come at such a high cost for her because in school, so much of the learning is done through reading that it's important that kids learn to read early and fast so they can access all of the information that the school has to offer. Um, Whereas through unschooling, Abby mostly learns by video. And so reading is secondary for her and she can take her time to learn and to make mistakes. And she doesn't have to deal with um, other kids' time schedules where she's in a group or even a school time schedule, because I've noticed that she'll go through periods of rapid growth in reading. And then she'll go through some periods of stasis where she doesn't make a lot of growth in reading. But in a school situation, she would be doing lessons on reading probably every day, regardless of whether she was in a period of growth or not. And so allowing her to develop her reading naturally um, is really giving her the option of learning whatever she is ready to learn at that time. And she always has the option of asking me if we can do some reading lessons to help her understand things that are not going to easily come naturally to her because of the dyslexia. Um, And she knows that she has that option. All she has to do is ask, give me a little bit of time and I can prepare something to teach something specific that she wants to know or to help her move forward. But for the most part, she finds that she's able to understand things without the reading right now. And so she has this option of time. Um, But I've also noticed that with my older daughter, Ari, you know, she would never have what anybody would call a disability. But she does have learning differences in the sense that there are ways she learns better and ways she doesn't learn as well. And she's allowed to choose the method of learning that best suits her for whatever she wants to learn. And so she's able to learn things uh, more quickly and so on and so forth. She really gets to make those choices. And so both of my kids have the freedom of choosing when and how and what. And that it really just seems to help their self-esteem because they're not faced with mistakes because of the situation they're in, they're making mistakes that are just helpful. Um, and I think that that really has helped them with their self-esteem, which I think is important or probably more important than actually learning specific skills or items. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're, they're learning about themselves. Right. I think it's, right. So interesting, like like you were talking about, it's a, the the natural way that humans learn. Like I loved your um, thoughts around, you know, sometimes we're in active learning, uh, you know, engaging, pulling things in, pulling things in, and then we're in that stasis season, you know, where things are kind of just percolating. We're not pulling a lot of new stuff in. We're just kind of sitting with 
all that new stuff for a while and letting it weave itself together. You know, does that make sense? That was actually beautifully described because that's exactly what it is. You have times of pulling information in and then you have times of the processing and the internal processing. It can actually be detrimental. I think if you're trying to get more information in when you haven't finished processing and so then kids can just pick what they want to do. I want to work on this now, or do I want to try and learn more information? And it's just whatever their, you know, whatever their bodies or their brains or whatever thinks is right. And they just do it. Yeah, They just do it. Right. That's the part I love is that they, with the freedom of choice, right? They don't even need to think, okay, you know, what do I want to learn today? You know, it's not a meta conversation in their head, but they are naturally drawn to, you know, what, what they're interested in. They're naturally drawn to how they want to learn about it. You know, when you allow them to embrace their strengths as in, this is the way that I want to pull this information in whether it's through videos, whether it's through listening to things, whether it's through reading, you know, that's the great thing is you're not stuck within, you know, you understand why the classroom needs, you know, reading and writing as the main skills, because that's the easiest way for them to share information and receive information in, in large groups. Right. But human beings can, that's not the only way we can learn. Right. And we can choose you know, you just see them in action. They're just doing it, right? They're just grabbing this video. They're just going to the library. They're just, you know, listening to that podcast. And when you watch them in action, it's just so beautiful because they're embracing their strengths. And then they're coming up on times when it's like, oh, you know, they're drawn to, you know, and they have the space for, doing something that's more challenging for them, but they have a reason for it, you know? So when she's more into um, reading as bringing in information, right. And then mm-hmm. she's working on that and she can do that at her pace and her style. And right. Using it's information, you know, using um, whatever it is she wants to read, you know, yeah. so one of her favorite things when I was reading subtitles at the bottom of a Japanese anime video yes um you know they dubbed it but at the end there was a song and she wanted to know what these japanese words were and so she would play it and then pause it and then figure out the words and play and pause she wouldn't do that with you know i don't know a science textbook or a science video because that wouldn't be interesting to her but trying to figure out what the meaning of the song was was completely interesting and she spent like an hour doing it and I didn't say you, you have to figure out what that is because yeah, it would never would have happened then. Um, but that was all reading practice, but it was reading practice. She wanted to do not something that was assigned or you know, told to her. <laughs> that is such a brilliant example. You know, this, this, it, it is our world, right? And they will find moments for doing all these things and when we observe and are hanging out with them and see those things in action, you know, it's just so inspiring and exciting, isn't it? Because 
It's like, oh, this would never have happened if somebody was trying to force it on them or telling them now you need to do that and giving them something that is completely uninteresting to them. But the world is full of things that will be interesting to them. And they will come across all these moments. And when we're talking about lifelong learning, it doesn't have to be done before the age of 18, right? Their life is full. We're still learning. We're all the only issue that's come up for us was when somebody else said, oh, you don't know your multiplication tables or yeah. something like that. You know, they can figure out multiplication without having it memorized. But <laughs> no, if you ask them, you know, if you ask Abby what, you know, seven times eight was, she may not be able to spit it out right away like another kid her age. But that doesn't mean she doesn't know how to do it. She just hasn't found it important enough to memorize at this point. But she may decide in three years that she's got to learn this because she really wants to do this math. And in which case she'll learn it pretty quick because she wants to. And it makes such a difference when they want to learn it. And, you know, the only problem seems to be when somebody decides they need to be compared with another kid, their age and then hold them accountable to something, which is ridiculous in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> As it, yeah, comparison is, is is no value. You know, we're not all living the exact same life, right? I mean, exactly. yeah, no, that's that's that that's funny that that's the only the only time it's come up, and it's totally true. <laughs> you know, if they just go learn it, and that's you know, as long as they if they want to learn it, they'll go learn it, and it's not a big deal. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's so funny. Okay, so another piece that I wanted to talk about um, is so the challenge of um, for an unschooling parent, you know, to not get pulled back into that conventional learning mindset, like when somebody comes up and starts comparing, right? right? You know, and for us to not, oh my gosh, tick boxes, grades, what they should know at this age, you know, we can get pulled back into that kind of mindset when somebody comes up with us or, you know, even with Ari choosing to go to college, like for us as parents, um, it can be hard to not get pulled back into what we knew growing up and as a teacher, et cetera, you know, that environment you were steeped in, even though you were very focused on, on trying to make it interesting for the kids that were in your classroom. Um, But it's, it's so interesting watching our unschooling kids um, do this when we remember to get out of our head and not get pulled into all that because an unschooling child approaches that learning situation so differently, don't they? Yes. I have a perfect example for this because when Ari was, um, she was hitting ninth grade and she decided she wanted to test out what high school was like. So she decided to go and she got into some of the classes and they would have projects or homework assignments and kids just wouldn't do anything, not anything, but they wouldn't do some of them. And Ari came home so frustrated because she'd be in a group with somebody and they wouldn't do their part. And she just said, it made no sense. If they're going to be there, they might as well do it. And it really hit her at that moment that kids in school are there because they have to be not because they want to be where she made the choice to go to school and she made the choice that she wanted to take these classes 
And if at any point it wasn't working for her, she knew she had the choice to leave and to do homeschooling again. Um, and it was this huge wake up to her that, that there was a difference between the way she was now or at that point than kids in school. And she hadn't noticed that difference before until that moment when she realized that the kids were not actively trying to learn more math. They were just there because they were told. And it completely, like, seeing her wrap her mind around that was so cool. Um, that, I honestly think that was the beginning of her really understanding unschooling from the outside rather than the inside. Um, it was just it was kind of a crazy time where she was like, oh, this is what the difference between the way I learn now and the way kids have to learn in school is that I have this choice. And it was just, it was such a big thing for her to figure out. Wow. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I can just imagine like it's having spent time um, with that freedom of choice to go back and realize, like I've heard from a number of unschooling, um, you know, teens who, who made that choice to go back. And that is a common observation, like realizing that they have no choice in the matter and seeing how that plays out. Right. That it's almost like passive resistance to being told what, what to do. Um, you know, because they can't make me pick up the pencil kind of dealio, right? You know, <laughs> I have to show up here, you know, and I have to show up in this class, but you know, there's only so much that you can force me to do. You can't physically make me do it's yeah. It's really interesting just to see how something as simple as having a choice is so wide ranging and impactful, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge. And it, you know, does make me think back to when I was teaching and realizing that sometimes it wasn't that I wasn't interesting as a teacher or not motivating enough. It was that the kids were in a situation where they had to be there regardless. And it didn't really make that much of a difference to some of them what happened in the classroom. Just they had to get through it to get wherever they wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, no matter how hard you try in the classroom, you're starting um, behind that eight ball, right? right that, right. you know, that you have no, you can't control, right? You can't control yeah. how they show up. And then just think, even as an adult, how much mental gymnastics we need to do to um, get ourselves to a, to something that, you know, if it's something that we feel is out of our control and we feel we have to do the mental gymnastics to get to a place where we're open and we're going to actually enjoy it and be open to learning. Like, I mean, there is just so much there. It's so much work. And to ask oh my God, kid. Yes. <laughs> okay. You made me go here, but now I'm going to choose to have fun and enjoy it and learn. Wow. Right. And that is, it's so much of a choice too, that, you know, you do have to step back and think about it and say, all right, I don't really want to do the dishes, but how can I make this more fun or enjoyable? And it could be listen to an audiobook, watch a video, have somebody help me, but you have to make that choice or you sit there and grumble unless you love dishes 
while you're doing it the whole time and it makes it a negative experience and you can turn it into a positive experience if you work at it. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's a wonderful example, right? Because you have to dig into the you have to dig deep into the why. You know, mm-hmm. why this is something, you know, I, you know, I, I want to have clean dishes for us, you know, to, to eat <laughs> off of that. There's a reason for this. Um, like you, the mental gymnastics to get to a place to show up um, to that task, to make it enjoyable enough for us to have enough motivation, you know, all of that work when to get past the feeling of I have to do this and grumbling, right? Because, uh-huh. It, there's just there's there's no joy in staying in that grumbling state and you know right. who's going to want to join you who's going to want to be anywhere near you for that hour where you're <laughs> moaning about it right I know exactly that is the state that you know kids are in when when they don't have the choice like not even the choice of of going to school and then there's often you know extracurricular activities and, and things that their parents are expecting them to do and be involved in. There is not a lot of choice in um, a conventional childhood, is there? No, not really. And it's, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's hard, but I really, I, I love hearing your story and, and seeing how this has unfolded so naturally for you guys. And, and then seeing how your girls have been taking that on and then exploring, you know, going to school for a while and, and finding out, seeing the difference mm-hmm. in that. And then Abby, you know, um, picking the way that she likes it. It's just, it's so fascinating to see. And then them watching you learn about farming. It's, it's just, a, <laughs> it's like a whole new world, isn't it? Right. It is. It's a whole new, wonderful world. (laughs) (laughs) So what has surprised you most about your unschooling journey so far? What, what has been surprising and unexpected for you? Um, honestly, it's the non-educational benefits. I think, um, I started out unschooling by saying, you know, we'll still have rules and so on and so forth. We're just going to unschool for, um, educational purposes, but it started infiltrating the rest of our lives. Um, when your kids have control over one thing, they start to question other things and it soon becomes, well, why do I have to do this? And why should I do this? And so we just slipped into this unschooling life where we became kind of a combination of uh, friends, a parent and kid relationship, and even kind of roommates where, we all navigate how to do this together. So, you know, we make little deals, you know, so-and-so has to do their own dishes, but they don't have time. Well, you know, let's flip around and, you know, um, I guess one of the biggest things has been um, as my girls get older, I have Ari as the example. So, she started out, you know, she wants to do things with friends. And one time she said, well, what's my curfew? And I said, you don't have a curfew. We just need to discuss it. And her eyes got really big. And I said, that doesn't mean you stay out all night. It means we discuss it. We, And she just said, okay. Um, and one time she told me, it's hard to be rebellious when there's nothing to rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> and it is so true because 
she wanted to be rebellious. She wanted to go against a rule or break a rule or something, but there wasn't anything because we would just talk about it and we'd decide together. Um, and it's come to the point where if, I, you know, one of my kids wants to do something and they don't think that I am going to say yes right away, they'll start putting little hints out or mm-hmm. anticipating what am I going to say in response. So um, Ari wanted to go to Cincinnati, which is, I don't know, eight to 12 hours away from us, um, to buy a signed copy of me by a favorite artist. And before she even asked me if that was okay, she found a friend who could go with her because she knew my requirement was going to be that she had another person with her. And so she asked and said, oh, by the way, so-and-so's coming. And I said, okay. Um, <laughs> it was so much easier because why are you driving like an entire full day to go get a CD? That's my idea as an adult. Knowing that this was important to her, I could take a little step back and say, well, I don't feel really safe, so I think you should take somebody with you. I didn't have to do any of that. And just saying this is important to me. I have a friend going with me. Do you have any problems? <laughs> That's so true. And I love that because our kids get to know us too. And they understand um, our perspective. And it makes sense to them because you know if if it really didn't make sense to them then we'd be having more conversations right we'd be talking longer about it and and coming up with some other path forward but for her you know she she knew you well enough to know that that would be something that would help you feel more comfortable with it so and she was happy with it she found somebody who'd come that sounded like good to her too right Mm -hmm. so then then they come with that because the, I, and that's been my experience as well. Like once we get to know each other, we don't always like start from scratch each time, right? Mm-hmm. We understand pieces. Like if there's something that, you know, we need to do, you know, you know with our kids, uh, you know, especially when they're younger, if they need to come along, we can think of things that would make it more interesting and fun for them. And we'll come with that as part of the package, right? Exactly. They, yeah, yeah. So when <laughs> I they need get to come older, with me, but... You know, I know you don't really want to do it, but I think we can stop for ice cream afterwards and then it becomes a positive and not a negative. And it's not a bribe. It's understanding they don't really want to go to this thing, but knowing they'll get something out of it makes it a little more palatable to them. And then it works out and we don't have that argument or the frustration or anything like that. And so getting to know somebody else really, really well like that is invaluable within a relationship. And I feel great that my kids are practicing roommate type relationships and partner type relationships before they're at the age where they have a roommate or a partner that they have to learn to deal with. And I think that that's just a fabulous way to start out being an early adult is to have those skills already, at least practice them a little bit. Yeah. To have had lots of, lots of practice with them and to understand that, it doesn't need to be about power as in you don't need to try and overpower and force other people um, to do what you want to do. You don't have to come at things defensively. You can come 
at be in relationships where you understand each other and respect that there are times respect them for the times when they're putting in extra effort like they're doing something that they're less um inclined to do but because you know you're excited about like you said the the ice cream bit it's not a bribe and and it's so different the way we approach it like you know, you could approach it as a bribe, as a, you know, you do this for me, I'll do this for you kind of thing. But rather, we're coming at it more from we're all doing this, let's make it all, you know, enjoyable or accomplish accomplishment, depending on what we're needing them, what we're going out for, right? Um, Right. it's, It's just a whole different energy behind it when you're working together to make it something that's palatable for everybody who needs to be involved, right? Exactly. And it's, I mean, I think as an adult too, it's great practice to have with, to practice the partnering and the roommating and all that with your kids too, because it is a different relationship than anybody else you'll ever know. Um, and there's that underlying love and you can practice doing things that you might want to, you know, do with your friends. Like, you know, I really need some help with this. Um, I know you probably don't want to do it, so I'm happy to, you know, exchange something and, you know, you practice with your kids and it helps you out in the rest of your life too. So it's kind of win-win and less arguments too. (laughs) Right. We go right back to this is how humans being learn in the world. Human beings live in the world. It's, it, you know, and it's just lovely practice. These kinds of relationships that we're developing with our kids. Absolutely. Those are um, skilled and, and just perspectives on like we learn so much about the value of that kind of relationship and we can bring those skills into our all our relationships in the world like every one of them values where we can you know when we see and hear um, and the person that we're in relationship with feels seen and heard and we work together to um, accomplish the things that we want each of us at different times and we're there to help each other it's just it's a beautiful way to be human isn't it (laughs) That's a wonderful way to put it. Exactly. (laughs) It's a beautiful way to be human. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Kelsey. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. I had a great time. Thank you so much for inviting me in. Yay, yay. And before we go, where can people connect with you online? Um, So I'm on Facebook. Um, You can find me through just regular Facebook, Kelsey Stemble. I don't think there's any more of me. Um, <laughs> I also have my business, which is Koofy's Natural Living. Um, Koofy is my nickname my dad gave me. Um, it's K-O-O-F-I-E. And I'm on Instagram too. I don't post that often because I'm not really a visual person. So if you follow me, I do apologize in advance for not posting more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, no, and my no, website no. Um, www.kufi.com and that's my business um, but, you know, pictures and stuff <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that'll be fun to go check out your your uh, business your products your natural living products um, and <laughs> I will share those links in the show notes so people will be able to find you there thanks again oh, Chelsea and have a great day oh thank you Pam I appreciate it thank you 
I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.